Hear the word of God from John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 883 in the Pew Bible. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Nicknames tend to stick. When I was in elementary school, I was given the nickname Wally for the way I blocked on the offensive line in football at recess. Would-be tacklers couldn't get past this Filipino wall, so Wally stuck. Later, I got another nickname uh, based on the way my name was misspelled in a band program one night, Migre. M-E-G-R-E-Y. So my bandmates teased me mercilessly with that nickname all through high school, me gray, me gray, and each time I would respond, me not gray, me brown. Those are playful nicknames. Not the unfortunate one that poor Thomas has been stuck with throughout Christian history. It's hard not to call him Thomas without adding that adjective in front of it. You know, most of the time when we call him Doubting Thomas, it's meant to be derogatory, as if doubting is a bad thing. But I think that not only does Thomas not deserve that nickname because it does him a disservice, it also does ourselves a disservice. Because just as we learned last week on Easter Sunday, doubt and skepticism are nothing to be ashamed of. I wonder if the story of Thomas is in the Gospel of John not to disparage him, not to tease him, not to poke fun at him, but to give us someone to relate to, an entry point into 
being surprised by Jesus. Have you ever heard the term FOMO, F-O-M-O? It's a text message acronym that people use these days. It stands for fear of missing out, FOMO. Well, poor Thomas must have been kicking himself with a bad case of FOMO because that evening of Easter morning, the resurrected Jesus appeared to the disciples and all the remaining disciples were there except one, except him. We have no idea where Thomas was at the moment, out getting groceries, walking the dog, Netflix and chilling, who knows what he was doing. What we do know is that when he rejoined the disciples, he was the only one that missed out on experiencing the resurrection, the transformation of Jesus, a chance to be amazed, a chance to have his world turned upside down. Before we even get to the doubting of Thomas, we can ask ourselves this question, is it possible that you have a case of faith FOMO? It's the idea that everyone else seems to have a strong faith but you. That everyone else seems to know so much more about the Bible than you. It's that everyone else has the ability to trust God and believe in prayer and be diligent in your spiritual practices and just get it but you. Maybe you've heard other people's dramatic faith conversion stories and you don't have one of those. Maybe you don't have a burning bush moment or a fiery furnace moment or a road to Damascus moment. In fact, you have no, I, no clue at all what those biblical references even mean. But there's good news in this story for you. Because a week later, after Thomas had missed out on this chance to see the resurrected Jesus, the disciples were once again gathered in that house, and this time Thomas was with them. And Jesus came back. Jesus returned. And just as Jesus came back a second time, just to meet Thomas and give him a second chance, Jesus comes to you right now. In the midst of your doubt and your skepticism and your FOMO, regardless of how new you might be to the faith or whether you've been a Christian so long that you're getting skeptical and cynical about the faith, Jesus comes back to you. He comes to meet you where you are. Your doubts do not diminish God's love for you. Your struggle to understand the depths and complexities of the faith do not prevent God from seeking you out and drawing near to you. Just as Jesus came back for Thomas, Jesus comes back for you. And remember this, when Jesus came back for Thomas, he did not condemn Thomas for his doubts. He didn't. He didn't say, hey, Thomas, because you wouldn't believe when I was alive, unless you saw me with your own eyes, you will not be allowed into heaven. He didn't say that. Nor does Jesus kick Thomas out of the twelve. Jesus is not doomed to, Thomas is not doomed to hell because of what he said. Instead, Jesus offered Thomas a better way. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And now Jesus is ready to offer the great plot twist in this story, the great surprise 
in the Gospel of John. That's what these next several Sundays have in common. We're starting a new worship series today called Surprise, in which we will discover in each of these scriptures an amazing plot twist that we didn't see coming, a plot twist in the passage that shocks us, catches us off guard, and changes the way we think, the way we see God, the way we see ourselves, and the way we relate to others. And this is the surprising plot twist in this story. It happens in verse 27 where Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. You know, apparently, Jesus' resurrected body had some unique abilities. He could walk through closed doors. He could ascend into clouds. But despite these ethereal kinds of qualities, it also had this surprising plot twist of a feature. Want to know what it is? The body of Jesus, the resurrected body of Jesus, still had scars. Scars. His hands, his feet, and his side still bore the marks of the nails and the spear, even though the rest of his body was made perfectly whole. His brain was back to fully functioning. His heart was back to pumping the blood. Everything about his body was back to normal except for his skin. Not so much. The blemishes from his suffering were still there. And John's gospel would have us believe that they were there for a reason, that scars are proof of the resurrection. For those disciples who may have wondered whether the resurrection was real, the scars dispelled the possibility that there was an imposter in their midst. Thomas would come to recognize Jesus not by his voice, not by his face, not by his walk, not by his mannerisms or his motions, but Jesus is very clear. Thomas would come to believe because of the scars of Jesus. Jesus' scars proved his resurrection. Do you know what? They prove yours too. Some of us go through life with scars, wishing they would disappear forever. I've got a scar on my left arm from when I touched a hot piece of equipment many years ago. My younger daughter Madeline has a slight scar over her eye from a time she fell off her bicycle. Grace has a scar on her face from the time that she was born. And I know that many of you have other kinds of scars. Scars that are invisible to the eye. Scars from wounds in our spirit that reach deep within our past. That are etched by heartbreak and grief and doubt and remorse. Perhaps some of those scars have faded a bit since their original severity, but they remain, reminding us of what we've been through and reminding us of how we've changed as a result. Consider some of the scars that are in the Bible. There's Jacob's limp. There's the sweat on Adam's brow. There's Paul's thorn in his side. Consider the scars in our wider pop culture. And you'll see the scar on Odysseus's foot when he fought with a boar. You'll see Luke's robotic hand as a result of fighting with Darth Vader. 
You'll see Alice emerging from Wonderland with scrapes on her arm. And you'll see Harry Potter surviving his childbirth encounter with Lord Voldemort with a tingling, lightning-shaped scar on his forehead. Yes, your scars do recall old wounds, but they also offer you encouragement. They remind us that in those moments when we could have played it safe, we chose to take a risk. When we, cho- when we could have taken the easy way out, we decided to stay and struggle. When times got tough, we didn't run and hide. Instead, we succumbed to the brutality of the moment, and we persisted through it, through the pain, and we survived to tell about it. And not only did we survive the suffering, we were transformed by it. You know, often, often life's most transformative moments are not those that happen on the mountaintop, but those that are born in the crucible of our suffering and our deepest anguish. Those are the moments that stretched us until we thought we would break, bruised us until we thought we were bloodless, and pushed us until we thought we could never stand again. But the scars remind us that we did more than just survive. We experienced the most powerful of Christian realities, resurrection. Look back on your life. Yes, you may have been through a lot, more than you feel like you might have deserved. And at the time, it was more than you thought you could handle. But look at yourself. Look at all those scars. Look at all those bruises, especially the ones that are so deep inside you that only you and God can see them. I want you to know there's no reason to be ashamed of them, no reason to hide from them, because they are living proof of the resurrection. They are living proof that God and God alone has seen you through it. And that's the case for Thomas. It was the scars that proved the resurrection to him. It's interesting if you take a look at what happened to Thomas after that encounter. There's more to the Thomas story after this passage. Thomas continued to be a disciple after this. He didn't fall away. He would later join the ranks of the many others who would profess their faith openly and proclaim their allegiance to Jesus. And ultimately, he would be one of those who would die a martyr's death because of his faith. And what is not commonly known is that Thomas would eventually write his own version of the gospel story. The gospel of Thomas is not part of our Bible. It is not sacred scripture. It is not considered canon by the church. But from a historical perspective, it is enough to know that doubting Thomas became preaching Thomas, even martyred Thomas, and then even author Thomas all because he received from Jesus redemption, not rejection, in the face of his own doubts. Friends, I want you to know there is hope for you. Even if you feel a little bit of FOMO, even if you feel like you're a little bit late to the faith or unsure of what it means to believe, it is not too late. Just as Jesus came back for Thomas, Jesus comes back for you so that you can have a real, authentic experience of Jesus and so that you will always have the scars to prove it. 
Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this powerful story and what it means for us. We even thank you for the tough times in our lives that as we look back at them in retrospect, we realize that you were with us the whole time. Bless us in the midst of our current wounds and remind us that as you have seen us through before, you will see us through again. Bless us even in our doubts and in our skepticism so that we can hold fast to the faith that transforms us to new life and new ways of belief. And bless the confirmation students as they conclude their confirmation journey at 11 o'clock and empower them into a lifelong journey of faith that will bear fruit for others. We thank you for the gift of Thomas and even for the gift of our scars. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and let all God's people say, Amen. Amen.